You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Shubhank, and today I have with me Ash Parekh, and we are going to talk about the evolution of B2B SaaS marketing. Ash is a full-stack marketing leader with over 20 years of experience scaling marketing organizations, driving deep alignment between sales and marketing, operationalizing digital first demand gen, creating differentiated positioning and messaging, and driving industry leadership. At Drua, Ash is responsible for driving the company's overall marketing strategy, demand generation, awareness, and branding. Previously, Ash worked at Informatica, where he played the role of acting CMO. While there, he secured and maintained Informatica's number one position across five Gartner Magic Quadrants, helped position the company as leading cloud data management vendor, and played a pivotal role in the company's transformation to the subscription and cloud-first business and the second IPO. Ash, I am super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Shubank. I am super excited as well, and thank you for having me. I've been following this particular podcast series for a while, and I'm truly honored to be part of it. So thank you for that. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. And I've given a quick introduction about your career. So why don't you give us a quick idea about what are your passions and all the other personal stuff that you like to do? Absolutely. So I'm the CMO at Druva, joined about six months ago. But apart from that, yes, marketing lights up my eyes for sure. But there's another part of my life which absolutely lights up my life as well. Of course, my family. And I'm a huge, huge, avid tennis fan. I'm a huge Roger Federer fan, you know, especially for wow. the way he plays with class and with dignity. So that hopefully that gets reflected in the way I do my marketing as well. So that's that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. I am a Nadal fan, so I think we're going to have a good amount of competition to the end. (laughs) Wonderful. Let the game start. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's get into the topic. So I think we've seen a lot of changes in the marketing industry or area in the last 20, 25, 30 years because of the involvement of technology, tools and all this stuff. But the crucial point is what has happened in the last three to four years. So how has marketing changed since the Q4 of 2019? No, absolutely. So Shubank, I'll put it in perspective of my specialization. So B2B and especially B2B high tech SaaS is where my focus area is. And, you know, I'd love to actually dive uh-huh. into that. So Q4 2019, I'm sure you, myself, all of us, we were celebrating. I was so very buoyant. I mean, I had a huge, huge, big budget for marketing huge hopes for the coming year, right? It was potentially going to be the best year for marketing ever, 2020. And then we all know, right, the pandemic hit. But with this, the whole funnel shebang just changed forever. We suddenly saw in-person meetings, and forget about in-person meetings, events getting canceled. What was such a huge driver for that plan that we had for a superb 2020 for marketing, right? I mean, I'll do X number of events and I'll go to so many shows and whatever else that all the, the floor just fell through, absolutely fell through. We weren't even meeting people in person. I remember I was still at Informatica then and we had to completely pivot one of our, you know, marquee events in a matter of four weeks 
from in-person to Zoom. And we actually, frankly speaking, we did a masterful job of it. We had almost double or triple the number of registrants with fantastic three-hour in virtual attendance as well. Mm -hmm. People just stayed for three hours. And so I think we learned a lot, right? Time is even more limited today. Attention spans are shorter. That same email hits, I mean, from emails from vendors hit the same customer 10 different times. Customers research vendors much more earlier, right? So that respect has to be paid by vendors, like CMOs like myself, to the end user, to the buyer. Give them the respect that they are going to make that their own, do their own research beforehand before they even talk to any seller on my side, right? I need to be able to approach any interaction that I may have with a customer as a form of helping them learn, helping them engage. And again, I'm talking about SaaS, right? It's a SaaS subscription funnel. And I know we'll get into this as we go along. The funnel is more about just, let me just get you interested in something, sell you something and get out of your way and get out of your life. It's about renewing. It's about selling more. It's about maybe even more importantly, making sure that the customer is happy. It's about the customer's experience and reflecting that in your brand and reflecting that in the way you do business with the customer. So I think it's it's so paramount that marketing thinks about how the business engages with the customer throughout the funnel. So I think that's that's truly changed. Well, yeah, that is undoubtedly, I think, the reality of what we are seeing today. Because, I mean, that, that's totally well put it across, uh, Ash, because when we are talking about post-2019 Q4, people were all about, okay, about the physical meetings and all this stuff. But right now, everybody is all about the data or I'd say the piece of information that is available in front of their screens. And that's it. Nobody cares where you are from or what you're driving or what you're wearing and all this stuff. But today, it's all about, okay, how is the performance? What is the journey of a consumer? And what is an experience that he's going through? I think that's very well said, Ash. This is perfect. And you were also kind of mentioning about the funnel that is very, very important that drives the marketing today in this era, or I say not in, in this current scenario. Talking about that, so what what do you think actually works these days and what does not work anymore, like what used to work pre-COVID-19? Very, very interesting question, Shubank. So let me ask you a question. How many emails do you think on a given day are being sent worldwide and received? How many emails? Take a wild guess. Oh, that's probably a billion. <laughs> try try 300 times more. 2017, Whoa. if you are to believe the research that's out there, 2017 is 290 billion emails sent and received a day. In 2022, we are just a couple months in, looking at you know potentially going to be about 333.2 or something billion a day. So imagine Whoa. the volume, right? Let's go back to that funnel for a second. That's where I wanted to bring some attention and focus to that funnel. Pretend the pre-Q4 2019 funnel Mm -hmm. sales marketing funnel was basically, was of specific size. Post-2019, post-Q4 2019, that has exploded, which means there's a lot more volume or there's a lot more signals coming in. And which is the right signal? Which is the right person that you're going to actually engage with? What is the right content that you're going to be engaging with that person with, right? What is that person going to be interested in? All this is so very important and paramount. You know, your your events have become hybrid at the best. I'm not even sure they're hybrid yet, right? I already mentioned that we are inundating customers with, hey, you know what? You need to attend my virtual event. You need to attend my webinar. Here's an email for you with five pieces of content, which I believe you need to be reading. 
just imagine the end user, the customer. And frankly speaking, the day of cold calling is gone. So AI, digital, digital tech, this is and personalization, intent, targeted way of doing marketing is now the way forward. And I'm so glad it's here because it's going to lay on the side a lot of the waste. I mean, you, if you don't need to travel to meet someone, fine. Mm-hmm. I know there's, there's absolute importance and there's, there's huge amount of credibility that comes with, you know, actually looking at someone face to face and, you know, look at the person's eye and actually doing business that's there. But I've seen examples of meetings where 10 people fly in for a specific meeting. Are you really needed? Maybe not. Do I need to go to every single event? Maybe not. Let's do the things that are the most important. I think we are getting there, right? That is where I see the evolution going. That would be where I would like to start the conversation. Perfect, Ashat. And what are some of the best practices to succeed with B2B high-tech marketing in this new world? Wonderful. So I'd like to actually talk about the buyer's journey first. Mm -hmm. Unless a marketer is absolutely aware of what the buyer's journey is all about, that person will not be a successful marketer at all, especially in B2B high-tech SaaS, right? And you need to know your market. You need to know what the buyer is looking for, what the competition, the competitive landscape is all about, you know, where you're placed. If you're you're a B2B SaaS high-growth company, you're just starting out, you're, you know, you're a startup, et cetera, are you, are you aligned with the category? Is there a new category you need to be creating? These are all the pieces that you need to keep in mind. So to that point, I think having a good foundational understanding of your market, and I call that market intelligence, is paramount. Competitive intelligence is absolutely paramount. And then laying the strategy in place to position the company for success, right? Everyone says the same thing. Everyone potentially has the same message out there. How do you differentiate? Not just with content, it's also about positioning on the website. As I mentioned before, right, the funnel has changed. The way people buy and research has changed. Your website today, that's one of the biggest best practices I would like to share over here, especially for high-tech SaaS. Your biggest seller or your most important salesperson is your website today. If your website doesn't, doesn't actually represent what you're selling, how you're selling, and how easy it is for someone to actually take advantage of the benefits you offer, for them to understand and engage and learn. By that, I mean demos and trials and videos and making it all about SaaS-friendly content, right? Content that's fitting for a SaaS company. Like, think about what, what SaaS has done for products. You don't need to install. There's no hardware to be bought. There's no software to be installed. There's no upgrades, none of that. Then if you're marketing a SaaS product, shouldn't you be able to provide that same experience to your customer on your website? So I would, I would actually start there as one of your most important best practices. And with that come, and I know we'll go into this conversation, the content that needs to support it, right? Are you providing the right content that will engage with all three aspects of your buyers, you know, the types of your buyers, right? So of course, your decision maker, your influencer, and your end user. Are there different kinds of content or are you looking at everything as you know, the world is flat and here's this nice piece of content, but it actually is written just for the end user. The decision maker can derive no benefit out of it. There's no language in that. There's no way of actually talking to it. The references that you provide, the customer references that you provide. Crowdsourced references. That's a new thing that's picking up so much steam in the last couple of years, Shubank, because of this new way of doing business, right? I don't have the time to sit and take calls from customers about a specific vendor. What I'll probably do is I'll probably go to a crowdsourced website. There are plenty of them out there. I'm not going to name them, but there are plenty of them. Go and find out what that vendor is all about. Compare them. 
do comparative search on Google or whatever your search engine of choices. These are the things that are emerging as best practices. So content that engages, lines up with every single stage of a buyer's journey, is differentiated. The company needs to be differentiated from a positioning perspective and basically meeting the customer where the customer wants to be met. So whichever channel that customer actually prefers, that's where you want to actually meet, preferably digital first. This is so true because when you're talking about the whole experience or what is the journey of a customer today when he's trying to evaluate a particular product or a solution. So I think website plays a very pivotal role today because there is nothing much that any other company could do to have prospect understand more about what you're trying to offer. Very well said, Ash. And there's something new which I learned and all the other people would also agree is that crowdsource website. These are the places where you could understand what's happening currently. And this is something which I still want to kind of dive deep into. We can talk about it in the, towards the end of it. So what are your views on ABM when you talk about Ash? Because ABM is picking up. I think we've been hearing this term in the last five to eight years. And normally today, ABM is something which is very much defined because you're not physical. So what are your thoughts on that? Huh, this, this is a favorite topic of mine. ABM, I mean, I, I'm not sure the word is, if that terminology really should be there or not. I mean, it's not account-based marketing. It should potentially mm-hmm. be account-based GTM or account-based sales, or account-based sales and marketing, but it's not just about marketing. I mean, think about it, right? Post-2019, as you rightfully said, right? Very difficult to connect with customers one-on-one, especially physically, right? I mean, I would probably rename this kind of engagement as high-touch marketing and for the right customer segment and probably, you know, maybe even for specific verticals. I feel when anyone tries to go down the path of doing ABM, which is why it's got a kind of a bad rap for the last couple of years, hey, it doesn't work, ABM doesn't work. I myself have done ABM and it's been very, very successful even against all odds, because what we did was we started off with the right set of target accounts, which were blessed by the CRO. You absolutely need to have sales support and sales alignment, as well as finance alignment and you know sales ops, dev, I mean, uh, business ops, marketing ops, all aligned to know that these are the right target accounts to go after, knowing that you need to engage with these customers through you know, targeted SEO, SEM, paid social, a dedicated web landing page. You know, it could be verticalized if necessary, if there's industry-based content that's important. Contact enrichment, content that lines up to your highest purchasing power authority. Maybe it's a CIO or an office of a CIO. Account-based emails, targeted account-based emails with rich content that's gonna help engage, right? Go back to the funnel that we discussed about right up front. It's learning helping them learn, email nurture. Just because someone came and you know was lurking on your website and went away and did, did not show up after a while doesn't mean they're not interested. How are you nurturing them? Because six months later, nine months later, that could be a huge deal that you could actually net out. But you've not kept that particular customer warm. In the meanwhile, the competition has taken the time to nurture that customer, giving them information that truly added value to their daily life, right? Those are the kind of things that you want to do. Competitive takeouts, you know, is there something targeted that you can do? Put in place EBCs, virtual EBCs, make sure there's an exec to exec kind of an outreach. Talk about a platform if you have one, not just about simple speeds and feeds and features. Lead with customer benefit first, right? So make it more about looking at this as a holistic program, monitor its progress every quarter, 
come back and report back both leading indicators as well as KPIs have very, very strong KPIs in place for your so-called ABM or ABS or ABGTM program and basically work, have the patience to see it through because it takes time. Some B2B products, for them, the sales cycle is a couple of days, maybe maybe a month. Some of them may take longer, maybe up to nine months. So you really need to stick with it and see it through, right? And again, after as I've always said, after you make the first sell, that's not the end of your relationship with your customer. It's about making sure the customer is happy. You know, so that's where marketing and customer success get together, making sure that they have the right kind of partners that can help them do something more with what they've bought from you. Maybe even suggesting to them that since they bought product A, maybe over time product B or X or Y may actually help them even more as an augmentation to their platform. So I would say it's all about ongoing engagement and I don't think it, it's just about marketing. Perfect. And, you know, I think post-COVID, we have seen a lot of new technologies that are helping out automation in terms of all the, the processes or campaigns that we're looking at, probably in the GTM field. So where and why, or why and where are you leveraging the modern technologies in the current scenario? Good question. I think you need to step back and think about how the MarTech stack itself has evolved, right? It is an increasingly digital world, as you and I have already spoken about. I think the place we really want to use technology in marketing is any place that increases marketing efficiency, whether it's taking out any friction that is, you know, whether whether it from look at the whole funnel, right? MQL to SQL to opportunity to bookings, anything that can take out friction actually accelerates throughout the funnel as well, drives ROI from for programs, for activities, for every single thing that you do within marketing. You know, increasing the engagement that you that you have with the end user, the buyer, as well as the influencer. So a lot of technologies are out there. I think it is. it really depends on what kind of a MarTech stack you already have because certain pieces that are out there may or may not work with what you have. I do a lot. In fact, what I've done with my goals for my team and for my leaders per se is please, please make sure that you're constantly, constantly piloting a new technology every month. You may not buy it, you may not use it, but it is important to keep your eyes and ears open for any new innovation that's in the MarTech arena, right? Personalization, intent, lead scoring, attribution, you know, first touch, it's not just about last touch, it's not just about multi-touch, it's about all those touches. Because that's exactly how you and I like to engage with products, with technology, with anything we buy, right? Prospecting, demos, content sharing, whiteboards, I mean, SaaS-friendly, rich tech, you know, kind of content that you can actually put on a website that is fitting for a B2B SaaS kind of a company. These are the kind of things that I would invest in. There's one other thing that was, that is top of mind for me, which I wanted to bring up for you is cold calling. You know, that is that is truly dead in my mind. I mean, I'm not sure, especially with the pandemic, right? We did invest in mobile phone enrichment and things like that. But if someone is, if you're getting tons of phone calls during a day, just like how you get tons of emails, you and I are not going to potentially pick up that phone. So is there a better way? Is there a better way to do more intelligent AI-based kind of prospecting? And where there, people will appreciate hearing from you because there's a level of trust that you've set with that end customer. But here's where you know innovation is going to basically take marketing to the next level. I'm so very bullish about this segment, the overall marketing segment, especially MarTech because it's truly going to help us become a lot more efficient. That same dollar that went 
one mile in 2019 will probably go a thousand miles in 2023, 24 and beyond because of technology. Well, I think that's that's quite impressive to kind of understand how things are going to change and with the AI and all the technologies that are being innovated on a daily basis. I can say that not just marketing, but all the like GTM activities could actually take a great innovation, could actually see a great innovation in how things are done. And that's amazing. That's amazing, Ash. Thank you for it. And we've we've talked about the marketing, ABM and technology and all this stuff for now, but let's come back to your, your job function. So you are a CMO and you've understood being a leader, there's so many roles and responsibilities that you carry. What do you think is the main reason for a successful CMO? What are the kind of guidelines that you think would actually need to be in place, especially in the high-tech industries that a CMO can succeed with? It's another very, very good question, Shubhang. Thanks thanks for bringing this up. I think this can be very well answered by an article that I'd written. I mean, I'm part of the CMO Council, so if someone wants to take a take a look at this article out there, it's on my LinkedIn profile as well. The title of the article is CMO Mindsets for Different Stages of a B2B Company. In that article, what I'm basically talking about is self-awareness is probably the biggest quality any CMO needs to have. Right, because a CMO could come from brand, demand gen, or product marketing. Those are three main areas someone could come from, right? And they could mm-hmm. probably be great at two, but they'll never be probably great at all the three. Over time, maybe, yes. So it really depends on the company, where that company is in its own journey, what kind of a competitive market it is. Like, for example, for high growth SaaS companies, highly competitive market, you really need someone who has deep roots in, say, product, product strategy, product marketing, because what you really want to do is position the company better, right? You potentially want to create a category. You want to message how that that company is different from the others. You want to change the game versus the competition. Unless you know that the market well, the products well, you're not going to be able to do that. You won't be able to do that with credibility, not just with customers, but even with your own internal stakeholders, with partners, with industry analysts. You just won't be able to do that. So you really need to have that foundation. And of course, along with that, you need very, very solid digital demand gen chops, right? Now in this new world, and I've talked about the buyer's journey many, many times, you know, obviously content is king. You really, really need to be a content owner, a content creator. You need to be able to inspire your teams to create differentiated content based on the differentiated messaging. That's our table stakes. Now, what I typically like doing is I basically have a couple of bad words in marketing with a big cross against them. And for me, it is MQL. I just don't believe in MQL because it's, it's basically a false positive. It gives a sense of comfort to marketing, but not to the rest of the organization. Think about it. The company's goals are always about bookings, new customers, net retention rates, things like that. Now, if I, as a marketer, kind of pat myself on the back and say, hey, listen, I've exceeded my MQL goals, my leads goals, et cetera, but guess what? It results in no bookings. What's the point? So the way I've truly you know, taken care of my journey personally as a, as a CMO, I map myself to bookings, to SQL, so meetings, meetings held, to opportunities. And you know, it is tough, yes, but I think in the long run, it does pay, pay huge dividends. 
right? I really don't worry about sales attribution versus marketing attribution versus partner attribution. I invest in a company's growth. And, you know, I have faith in my executive staff and the kind of people I work with that they will, they will provide the right kind of attribution to marketing over time. So it's all about driving that alignment between not just marketing and sales, but marketing and sales and finance and other areas of the business. I mean, I, the kind of CEOs that I've reported to, I've been very lucky to have done that. They truly saw the CMO, saw the marketing function as a partner, having the same, same seat at the table as other, other officers to actually take part in the company's growth, actually take strategic decisions. It's not just about marketing. If you have that mindset, you stop thinking just about marketing. You think about the customer, you think about the buyer, and you think about the company. Well, Sarash, I think that's a, that's a very good point to, for anybody who's in the leadership role or who aspires to get into a leadership role needs to keep in mind. We've spoken about process. We've spoken about technology. Now let's get into the people. So as a matter of fact, a leader definitely sees the success with the right set of people. So how do you recruit and retain some of the best resources around you? Look, I already alluded to it, right? I mean, a sales role is not easy. You can come from either brand, product marketing, you come from demand gen. In fact, there was a very nice article out there. I'll send it to your way, Shubank, when I get a chance. But, you know, the CMO's role is actually seven roles in, rolled into one. And if you really think about, you know, field marketing, digital, you know, you have a partner marketing, you have content marketing, demand gen, corporate comms, all that stuff, right? Really are talking about an office of the CMO. You can have one person who is strong, say at you know maybe brand and maybe demand gen, or maybe it's product marketing and demand gen, Correct. whatever is a combination, right? So you you pick someone who is really solid at two things out of the three, you know, they and they augment the rest of that, all those seven things with solid hires, and then you get out of the way. But you have to have the right checks and balances, the right KPIs in place, because you know making sure that you're inspecting what you're expecting is extremely important. Right? That's truly something that I've put in place and over the years. And the last piece of, of advice is leading with EQ, right? The only thing I would probably say on this is lead the way you want to be led, right? If you are a micromanager, imagine if someone is going to be a micromanager on top of you, not going to work, right? So mm -hmm. there was a quote that, that I saw recently in the social realm, you know, create best leaders, create more leaders and not managers. I do strive, I mean, I work with my executive assistant to see that I, at least over an entire quarter, my entire team gets at least 30 to 40 minutes with me. I try to invest in the, each person's individual career. And that goes a very long way because at the end of the day, it's about the, those relationships. They're a team that's bending their back for you, for the company, for the organization. That's the connection that's really, truly important. So I feel it's really about the office of the CMO you can't really say that one person is truly the CMO of a company. It's about an amazing team. Perfectly put across, Ash. I think that's very well said when you talk about being a leader. It's not just about one person's ideas or process or all this stuff that is coming into action. Everybody who's working with him needs to be in sync and needs to kind of have their ideas and thought shade to make the whole organization, I'll say that, at least the marketing team, flourish in what they're trying to achieve. This has been a brilliant session with you, Ash. Before we come towards the end of it, we ask a couple of questions to all our guests. Is there any book, blog, newsletter, website, or a video that you would recommend to our listeners? 
Oh, absolutely. So look, there are a couple of books, three books that have truly helped me. I have them right here on my shelf. I have a copy here. I have a copy at my physical office as well. Blue Ocean Strategy, it's the art of changing the game against the competition. That's an amazing book. Communicate to Influence by the Decker Group. Fantastic way of creating a framework to communicate better with you know your listeners and your readers. And as we speak, it's about bringing charisma into public speaking, right? Leading with your most authentic self as you speak to an audience. And I think these were three books which were which truly really changed the game for me and connected with me at the deepest level. This is all about being genuine. It's being authentic. I think that's my style of marketing and these books spoke to me. So those are the three books. And as far as blogs or newsletters, so I'm part of the CMO Council, a shameless plug for them here. For sure, you definitely find a lot of great articles there. There's a lot of great stuff on the Forbes Communication Council as well. I'm a member of that as well. So a lot of amazing goodness coming out from my peers in the CMO network. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned, especially in the post-2019 world that we can all take advantage of. I mean, I'm learning every day. You know, there's so much, there's so much to learn. Wonderful. Thanks for this piece of information, Ash. Any three people in your network that you recommend we bring on the show? Let me give you two names. I definitely like okay. to bring, in fact, I'd love to probably do it with this person. I mean, he's our current chief revenue officer at Druva, Chris White. Amazing person. I mean, he's one of the big reasons I even joined Druva. He and I hit it off right off the bat. And basically, it's the alignment that we've been able to drive between sales and marketing, which I'm sure is going to help us all at this company. That's one of the biggest challenges that any CMO faces, right? The alignment with sales. And because I used to be, I'm not sure you know about this, Shubank, but I used to be a back carrying citizen at some point in time in my early career. I used to, I've done customer service. I've done sales. Uh, of course, I wasn't the best at either of them. Hence, I landed in marketing. <laughs> but I do know I have empathy for those roles, right? So I feel, you know, having, having someone like Chris and maybe a banter with me and, hey, how do you guys work together? What is the world of a CRO and a CMO? What do you expect from each other? What would go a long way? And another person that I'd love to refer you to is someone who will give you an outside-in perspective into what's expected by the board from a CMO. And that, that person's name is Tracy Newell. I've worked with her personally. She's now a board member and she has been a career CRO and she's a mentor of mine. I think these two individuals will bring a lot of lot of great content to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ash. I think Tracy and Chris, you guys are going to be connected by a team and we'll hopefully try to get you guys on board as well. And last question, Ash. So how, how would our audiences connect to you after the show? Perfect. I mean, follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. I think if you want to drop me a note, it's just my first name, last name at yahoo.com. So ashparik at yahoo.com. I'm always happy to hear from people who have you know, diverse experiences or best practices that they want to share or even ask me a question. Happy to. Always happy to engage. <laughs> I've had a great time conversing with you and probably I'll definitely look forward to connecting with you again in a couple of months and to see that, okay, the, what are the new topics that we can talk about around marketing. Before we end this show, Ash, any other quick thoughts you'd like to share with our audience today? No, so just wanted to ask you, so who's Who's the real GOAT? Is it uh, Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal? <laughs> we, we just had Rafa win the title recently. So I'm going to go for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll leave it at that, Shubhag. 
<laughs> absolutely absolutely yes. thank you so much for coming on the show once again it was super exciting to have you today talk to you soon thank you so much shubank thank you for having me thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of sunny side up if you liked what you heard please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on itunes spotify or wherever you consume podcasts you can also find us on youtube and demand based tv 